0: Tell me about what it was like for you being raised as a princess of bounce music. <laughs> you ready? Mm-hmm. It's Rose and Thorns. Hey, love bugs, and welcome to another episode of the Rose and Thorns podcast. I am P. Ryan, and I am sitting here in my own personal therapy session. I am so done with you. <laughs> Well, not really, but I'm here with a phenomenal psychologist, licensed psychologist, ooh, ooh, ooh. and I'm so excited for the conversation that we have. To, we are going to have today um, and unpack a whole bunch of awesome things, right? Yes. I don't even know what I'm saying. We're going to
1: unpack those bags.
0: I hope so. Yes. Okay? And these bags are filled with rose, which Honey. is why I don't even know if I'm saying what I need to be saying right now. It's but okay. Everybody, welcome. Dr. Genesee Temple, aka Dr. Jenny from the Black.
1: Hey, don't be fooled by the rocks that I got, because I'm still Dr. Jennifer from the Black. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I live, I live. Tell the people about yourself.
1: Oh, okay. Where to start? So, I am a licensed psychologist, which seems like. It just took a lot of energy for that Mm, But about me I'm a proud black woman I am a mother I am a working professional I am a transplant So I am from the west coast Tacoma, Washington Specifically Now living in Delaware So that's an experience Mm -hmm. I think I am a healer at heart A compassionate person And a lover of all things creative.
0: Yes, yes. Which would explain the many projects that you have going on, which we'll touch on as the show goes on. Mm -hmm. But the way I kind of met you, I'm so grateful for how our relationship has kind of transformed, right? So you mentioned you're a licensed psychologist. I um, was a practicum student at the place where you worked. Mm Um. Fun fact, I was the first black male practicum student they've ever had, and we are truly in, well, we were in 2019 at the time. Oh,
1: I Why would they even tell you that? I'm sorry, I am <laughs> my reactions. I'm like, why is that a fun fact? And who, who, Let me tell who presented you, that to but you? But
0: once they told me that, I done took all the titles, right? So I was like, oh, not, a, not only am I the first black uh, practicum student that you've had, I'm the first black queer practicum student that you had, the first Jamaican-American practicum yes. student that you had, like... All the things. Right. But they what's interesting about that is that they did not just open up yesterday, right? Um, no. They've been around for...
1: 1747. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's when the university was founded. I kid you not.
0: So then the Counseling Center must have been around there.
1: The ca- Counseling Center is 70 years old. Okay. So that says a lot.
0: Heard you. Mm-hmm. Heard you, right? Yes. And it says a lot about my experience being there. While I had a great time, I feel like the training was amazing good one of the first things that I thought about though when like entering the space was where are all the black people mm-hmm. and I went through at least a couple weeks of like trainings and conversations and supervisions and I'm like I don't see no other black face except for mine
1: oh uh, how really uh, did yeah. I not see you the beginning
0: I didn't see you like that okay until I saw you and your coworker. Okay. And it was just like, oh, okay, there are people here. Yeah. But I still don't know them. Cuz y'all didn't come in and teach much. Y'all didn't come in and like facilitate supervision. So I was just like, oh, what they doing? Yeah, so I was yeah. very curious. And it's funny how life kind of works because I'm, you know, in and out of the practicum space and I'm just like, all right, cool. Probably may not talk to you until like a later date. My line brother, yes, was a friend of yours and was just like, "Hey, you work with jen and i'm like i do how do you know this and he's just like well she's my friend and next thing you know we're all hanging out and it's like a whole friendship circle
1: yes that was so random i was like yo do you know albert you're like yes (laughs) it's my OB. i'm like the world is small and it's not like i have known albert for a super long time either Mm -hmm. i had just met him a few months prior to like really meeting you so Mm -hmm. the you know the universe works in mysterious ways. Yes, and
0: shout out to her because she be working.
1: Okay. Listen, I am not complaining. Very grateful.
0: I absolutely love it. And not only do I love the fact that we were able to build a relationship, but you're truly at your core a dope ass individual.
1: Thank don't oh, right? I yeah. got too much, you know, champagne, so don't No, it's fine.
0: Know. Let's make it emotional. I know, I it's got too we much. We <laughs> <laughs> I had too much rose, so we're on the same page. You're a licensed psychologist. You're currently working in college counseling. A lot of people may not know, though, that psychology is this huge field where Mm -hmm. you can pick, choose, and refuse as much as you want. Like, I've gotten a taste of all the avenues that you can go down, but I still, I don't think, have covered all the things that one can do in this field, which is why I'm so grateful to be in this field. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit more about your specific degree and your current work position and what it allows you to do. Like what's your area of the vineyard?
1: Yes, Liz. I'm like, where do I start? Um, So counseling, psychology, PhD, usually there's like counseling, clinical, school, psych. Mm-hmm. Between the clinical and counseling programs, I don't see a lot of differentiation because I've had people in my program work in hospital settings, VAs, etc. And usually that's the notion that like that's where the clinical people go. Mm-hmm. But counseling people can also go, I think. The most important part is where you do your practicum training, which then can help you, you know, kind of work your way into any of those settings. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing university counseling center work since 2013. And I had to sit back because I hadn't even thought about that until like last week. Like I've been doing this already for seven years. I think... It's been an interesting journey working Mm. in university counseling centers. On one hand, I enjoy the ability to collaborate across departments, work with students, specifically black students, you know, as they navigate higher ed and being a support to them. I also liked the creativity that university counseling centers can offer. Anything from designing outreaches, doing the individual work, doing group stuff. I've enjoyed that variety. And I think I'm hesitant. I feel like in the back of my mind, I I want a name that I also think that my journey in university counseling centers is coming to a close mm-hmm. in order for me to have even more creativity, autonomy, and just really working in spaces that I think feel more genuine and congruent to who I am. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but right now my current role... Um, I was hired along with one of my colleagues who I am very near and dear to, Vanessa. We are Shout hi- out. Right. Okay. Dr. Freeman. <laughs> um, we were hired to be African-American black focused therapists. So 20% and whatever that means of our job is dedicated to outreach and supporting the black um, community on campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna just say it. Okay. On the surface, that sounds real cute. Okay. But then that also sounds like this trope that we're always trying to fight against. Mm-hmm. Right? So like I, I just I'm reflecting on a supervision that I had recently where I had to assert the fact that like I'm not here to speak on behalf of the community, especially with everything that's going on with George Floyd and just right. like the oppression that we're, you know, forcefully speaking out against, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of give you this position and say that 20% of your role is to reach out to the black population, a couple questions are like, come up in me. And it's just like, so where was that 20% before y'all showed up?
1: (sighs) Listen, your question. Okay. So if we're going to keep it a hundred. Yeah. Really? I work at a place with well-meaning white folks who had no idea what they were getting themselves into hiring two black women to come Mm -hmm. into the center. I think this is a big problem in higher ed. And I think Mm -hmm. in just most institutions and systems that are just been entrenched, entrenched in white supremacy is that idea that like, you all know how to service the needs Mm -hmm. of this group and not understanding the diversity within the black African-American community, just saying black, the blackness is, acknowledging all the people from the diaspora and we all have different cultural backgrounds beliefs ways we feel about the healing work about therapy and so and then I think it's even more interesting that it was like the 20% Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. just like what does that look like on paper what are the expectations I think we both came into this role without very much direction or access So it has been a struggle Mm -hmm. to really, I think, and I'll speak for myself, to really feel impactful in my role. Because you come into, it's kind of like when people try to hire their problems away. Black students are raising concern, um, frustration about not having representation. So then these entrenched systems are like, we'll just hire black people. It looks good. Don't know what to do.
0: Problem fixed.
1: Right. And we don't yeah. have really, you know, any resources for the black folks coming in to do this work or any structure, but like y'all figure it out. And if you fail, it's like your fault. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is kind of like the position we were put in coming into this role. Mm-hmm.
0: Based on your experience in the role so far, though, and kind of considering that, you know, students going back into school are going to be hit with a lot right now. Right. Right anxiety around covid Mm -hmm. can i really have a college experience with this going around and you know the racial tensions in our culture really being clear as day right Right. what do you think on like a college student level when they're also developing a whole host of other identities right that intersect what do you think they need or what have you seen that they need in this moment
1: yeah space Space to be angry, sad, space to be vulnerable, space to be heard and validated. I think especially when you're black on a PWI campus, Mm -hmm. you don't got space. And very few spaces feel safe to do that work. Or not even to do work, just to be. Just to be black Mm -hmm. unapologetically, just to be black in all its rawest forms. Mm -hmm. So I think... I've, I've seen that space has been really impactful. I worked at a university. I worked at Bowling Green State University um, in Ohio. Ohio. Oh, man. And I had such, though, a transformative experience leading a sister. It was called Sister to Sister. Mm. And it was like a weekly support group. Yeah. I wasn't doing therapy. It was not in the counseling center. We picked a neutral place. We would get at maximum almost 30 women and at the minimum 13 per week to come and fellowship and talk. And Mm -hmm. these women kept coming back and just the relationships I built there. Then if they felt like therapy was something else they needed, they knew that they had someone they trusted and knew that someone cared about them and then would come that way.
0: I think that's so important because it kind of touches on the ways in which we seek, To improve our mental health, right? And how it doesn't have to be in this formalized, let's sit down for 60 minutes. You know, especially when we talk about just like diversity factors and like bringing our diverse identities into this space. We don't always have to sit down with a therapist, have a structured therapy session, you know, implement a skill, give you a handout, you go do some home practice and come back. It can be as simple as let's meet in a group and just talk, Right. right? Let's just receive this space. Let's just just be yeah just be Mm -hmm. when the whole
1: world tells you that just being is not good just being can get you killed just Mm -hmm. being is a negative just to be able to just to be Mm -hmm. in your full authentic self i think is the most healing thing and even Mm -hmm. in my structured therapy with whomever i'm working with that is always the goal how do we get you to be authentic to connect to who you are who you idealize yourself to be how you want to move in the world how do we get you to that place
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sometimes when we create the space for people just to be mm, and this is pulling me right into supervision okay when we talk about giving people the space to just be sometimes we're cautioned by the powers that be right To be careful about the way in which we facilitate that space because it can attack or it can mm, devalue ourselves as professionals, right? Mm -hmm. And I was super excited to have you on in this space to talk about professionalism and what that looks like and the ways that we provide therapy as black therapist yes because there's such a mold that i think is pushed throughout our training regardless of program that you get into um regardless of practicum site that you're on where it's just like you have to look like this you have to meet these levels of respectability you have to mm-hmm. you know be have maintain a certain distance from the client to be seen as a professional right but when you allow a client to just be sometimes you show up in the space just being too right so I'm curious, what has been your journey, what has been your journey with professionalism?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, a journey, a journey that continues. So I definitely agree. I think when I first, so the very first time I seen a client, I knew I was picking up a white client. I knew that this client was male identified and I remember being so anxious like I was so nervous mm. and I think I can now and you know hindsight is 2020 um I was scared of how they were going to perceive me I was scared that they weren't going to think I was competent smart enough mm. I was just so fear struck and so I think that's step one into the professionalism trying to show up in this way to prove my competence mm. I remember having a clipboard. I don't do therapy with clipboards. That is, and no judgment, no shade to those who use it. I don't, but I just remember just that overwhelming fear and wanting to be this prototype of professionalism. And I struggled with that for the first few years of my grad program. But what I started to see were were other black and brown people in my program really showing up. So we'd watch tape Mm -hmm. in our group supervision and I would just see how they would sit, how they would talk, how I could just see them in their element. Mm. And I was really struck by that. Like, I want to be in my element. I don't want to carry this clipboard. I don't want to be sweating profusely before I pick up a client. Yes. Yes. And I don't want to have to feel like I have to have a certain persona to be, to be seen as credible and serious. And I think over time, that's really been a goal for me because there are people coming behind us who see us
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, I don't want especially black people to keep feeling like we have to hold these westernized standards of professionalism. So I'm in a stage in my life where I am like very much rebuking all of that. I remember interviewing for internship and one of my interview questions was like, I have a I was like, I have my nose pierced. And you know, I got the Well, y'all can't see me. I have the bull nose ring. Yeah. Um, I was like, I have my nose pierced at the time. I did not have my locks, but my hair was like this deep purple shade. I was like, my hair is purple. Cute. Kelly Rowland. Okay, I was in it. I was <laughs> feeling it. Listen, um, I was like, I have tattoos mm. on my wrist, on my arm, like my back of my neck. How will I be perceived in your center? And I think that was the time where I really started taking control over how. I showed up in a space mm. and how I was choosing to no longer do the white supremacist ideology about what it means to be professional. Yeah. And since then, it's been a constant, um, I won't say struggle, but constant liberation. I'll liberate and then I'll have to re Yes.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yes, it as, happened mm-hmm. again.
0: Especially as you change spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Because the liberation that I experienced at the counseling center, I had to kind of redo and kind of reacclimate people to when I changed practicum sites, right? And it looked very different from my previous practicum site, right? But regardless of how you have to do and redo the work, I really find that my my clients are most impacted when I show up in my fullness, Right. Right? I I always think about what it would be like if I showed up in, like, a suit and a tie and was just like, yes, what's on our agenda for today? Right. Do this exercise. Right. And be done. Right? I really don't feel like my clients would, one, find much progress. Mm Mm-hmm. And to feel understood. But what they get when I say, hey, good morning, right? right. They get a full auntie. They get, you yes. know, all this fat and femme glory. And I think that creates a space for people to really just express how they're feeling, to express their frustrations, to express their needs and their wants and desires, and to really tackle things that they don't really feel like they have the safe space or the brave space to tackle in other areas of their lives.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. and I think even beyond them, I mean, you're talking about truth. You're talking all truth, but let's take it to ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like even beyond that, being able to show up authentically is healing for our own selves. Say so. Because I know, for me, when I've shown up with my white clients, black clients, insert other racial identity clients, Mm -hmm. I've I become more validated because I am received well for who I am. So it's more so like when I started showing up with my white clients the same way I showed up for my black clients, Mm -hmm. I felt empowered. Yeah. I was like, and it's for me, it's modeling. I'm showing people and it's not my job, but I, I, I take it personally. Like I'm going to show y'all black people. We are gold. We are rubies. We are, we are diamonds. Mm -hmm. And however I speak doesn't change the fact that I know what I'm doing get with it or get lost. Heard you. And that's just it. So I feel like it's liberating and even and I think I was really resonating when you're like even changing context and settings matter. I um so obviously you know I started my YouTube channel mm-hmm. and my most recent post was tipsy packing. And here I have branded and marketed Dr. Jenny from the blog mental health is like the foundation of my channel with life and travel. And here I am making a vlog of me getting tipsy off some whiskey
0: mm.
1: and packing. And that felt so liberating.
0: Yes, because there's like so many people say that's a huge no-no. Right. Right. I, I really vibed off of that video because I'm just kind of like, okay, as one who's into sexual health and sexual liberation, like, can I really show up on my social medias, you know, as the whole that I am? Right? Yes. yes, How will that impact clients? And I I look at you. I look at this mental health professional who's also a porn star, jet-setting Jasmine, right? I look at this um, uh, therapist who I found on Instagram. His name is Dr. Brinkley. Showing up in their fullness, however that looks. It could be being tipsy. It could be making a porn video. We, I think, have a unique experience where we are able to... mm, curate the image of professionalism that we would like to see
1: mm-hmm. yeah and break those chains of white norms around mm-hmm. what does that mean mm-hmm. i think and it's not calling white people inauthentic but the, like that type of thinking that white westernized way is saying show up in this inauthentic mm-hmm. way because your authenticity is insert dangerous so, yeah mm-hmm. for whatever reason mm-hmm. and i'm just like i don't feel comfortable When I try to dress up in my suit and tie, you know, I'll use that metaphor to work with people like that doesn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. And why do I have to sacrifice who I am in order to do this work when who I am, especially in our field, drives this work, whatever beliefs, biases, experiences I have come into the room with my clients every time.
0: You talk about showing up authentically, and I can't help but think about the current climate that we're in. Mm. How would you like to show up or, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> given that the structure of a session is run by the client, right? Mm-hmm. But there are like little pockets that we can kind of influence. What is your intention going into each space for black clients and non-black clients?
1: Yes. Yes. So my intention for like what I'm trying to accomplish with them. and What you're
0: trying to accomplish, how you're showing up, um, what processes are you giving space for?
1: I think for my black folk, I'm definitely, I think going back to what I said earlier, make your room. Mm. I had a session last week with one of my black clients and I just asked her like, how are you doing? This week has been rough. So there's an acknowledgement Um, I think when you have those inauthentic relationships you don't acknowledge other people's pain you know Mm -hmm. in the systemic way Mm -hmm. so I check in and my goal working with you know black and brown folks is empowerment how do I validate your existence how do I help you learn how to validate your own existence when I'm working with non people of color I mean what I what there won't be space for is white tears.
0: Put a definition on that.
1: White tears (laughs) is when uh, no. (laughs) White Mm -hmm. tears includes crying about your privilege, crying about you know not being able to utilize and weaponize your privilege, crying about your hardships in lieu of hardships of other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no space for that.
0: How do you block that without being invalidated? That's a really
1: good question, and I don't know if you can stop people from feeling invalidated by setting your boundaries. Hurt you? Like if I have a white client who's coming in with white tears, I'm I'm going because I who I am as an authentic person. I, I hear you, mm-hmm. and when you say these things, this mm-hmm. is how I'm reacting. Yeah, and this is where I'm sitting, and how I'm sitting with that. I can support you in this way, but what I can't do is cosign on your privilege.
0: I think that's a fabulous segue. You yeah. already touched on this project that you have. Um, I love calling it project. It sounds really bougie. <laughs> but <No kidding. laughs> your YouTube channel, Dr. Jenny from the Block, right? Yes. And you mentioned that it facilitates mental health conversation and raises mental health awareness for Black people in a very relatable um, and digestible way, right? Um, so I just want to ask you some questions about the show. Um, I want people to go to the YouTube and watch, so I'm not going to like...
1: I get you. Ask
0: you deep things that kind of, like, give spoilers. Um, But I wanted to just build some convo around um, some of the fabulous things I heard you say. Okay. Right? And have you kind of just expound a little bit more or expand a little bit more on that. Um, So you mentioned that as a black woman, you're aware of the legacy of slavery and oppression and aware of the legacy um, of strength and resilience that black identified people have right yes what are some of the would you say are the like overt and covert manifestations of slavery and oppression um that may make one a good candidate for therapy
1: yeah i think a lot of and this these answers probably won't be to the point and you might have to repeat for me
0: (laughs) That's yeah i'm good for a repetition okay i'm going to repeat for myself
1: i think self-doubt Just this belief that you cannot achieve things that you want to because it's too hard or just everything just seems unattainable. Mm. I think for me that is the insidious nature of slavery was to make us believe that we were inferior, Mm. to make us scared of taking on new tasks because we haven't seen other people that look like us do it, which doesn't mean we're incapable. We just haven't seen it yet. Mm. I think this belief that we and i and to give an example i'm always i'm a big proponent of encouraging parents as a parent to not limit your kids to being an athlete a rapper a video vixen like teach your kids that they can be a NASA scientist a doctor an accountant something something else so yeah. i think for me that's one of the covert ways is just this belief that we only have these specific ways to success and that we're incapable of doing things because there're not other people there or it's too hard. Mhm. I don't I I just believe black people are limitless and that's my own belief that I hold, but I think that's something we really have to unlearn. I think the comp- the competition between blacks is something that really got to go. Wow. On all levels, I think it's our pretty politics, respectability politics. I tell people, you know, we still place this premium on lighter skin, um, straighter hair. And you would think in 2020 we wouldn't, mm-hmm. but yet we do. We look at the entertainers who gross the most money, who have the most visibility. That's an issue in our community. I do think there are issues between, and I have to, I want to say gender slash sexuality issues on, that get on. in the way. Um, I've been having at it with people like, don't tell me black lives matter until you respect queer lives, mm. fat lives, ugly lives, poor lives, like all that. So, mm. and I think just respectability politics are such a big thing in our community. I think even with the killings that are happening right now, you know, people will be like, well, this person, like the, um, and I'm, you know, pardon me for not remembering his name. I'm also having an auntie moment.
0: Listen, we have them, okay? Right.
1: The man, the black man who was bird watching. In the park in New York, and then white woman, you know, did the white woman thing and co- try to call the Cooper. Police. They're both last, both of their last names are Cooper. A
0: mess. Mm-hmm. So
1: I mean, I think about like how people were saying he works at a like they were just naming all his credentials. Like it wouldn't matter if he worked at Seven Eleven. Yes,
0: like, or if he was you know slinging rock here and there. Like <sighs> the fact of the matter is he was the victim of an injustice.
1: Right. Right, mm. and so I think those are ways in which that slavery mentality comes up, from at least in the ways that I see it. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty more issues to address, but I think those are the things that really stand out to me.
0: And you mentioned that these are things that we need to unlearn, but how do you think we even go about unlearning these things?
1: Recognition. And sitting with the nasty little feelings that come up when we recognize that we're stepping in the poo, Mm. to be honest. Like, I think self-reflection, introspection, and sitting with the uncomfortable emotions that come out of it.
0: Mm.
1: Like, if you're seeing a post and you tend to engage in that respectability politics, sit with that. Where did I learn that from? Even asking questions. Who taught me that? Mm -hmm. Why do I think this is right? Right. How does this make other people feel when I share that perspective?
0: So, yeah. I love that aspect of recognition and I think it's recognizing the the white frameworks that we've been kind of or Eurocentric frameworks yes. we've been embedded in. Mm-hmm. But when, And trying to do the work to kind of detach ourselves from that and then reattach ourselves to more of the Afrocentric um, kind of like perspectives and guidelines and ways of living that yeah. we've not abandoned but we've been stripped from.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Okay. Not everybody needs therapy.
1: Not everybody needs Tell therapy. Tell us about that. Yes. I'm a firm believer. Uh, like, there's this... Hmm. I'm thinking how to jump into I mean, I think I named it earlier when I talked about the support mm-hmm. circle, group situation. And I think for many of those women, it was healing, connecting, and restorative. I think as humans, we desire and crave connection love compassion and you don't need to sit in a therapy room to receive those gifts you don't need to go to therapy for those things i do think obviously and i'm biased that therapy is helpful because you can have that one-on-one relationship with someone that's connection right where someone is showing you compassion and empathy where you feel loved and cared for all those things can be provided there but you can find that at your church you could find that in your cycling club. You can find that you know talking to your your spouse, your partner, whomever. So therapy is not needed. Now there are some specific things that you might need to come see us for. You know, mm-hmm. if you're walking around with some schizophrenic,
0: you might need some help.
1: You might need some support. Yeah, and that's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think and I you know I wanted tell people also that like therapy doesn't have to always be about super serious things like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. You can come in and just, you might have a big decision you need to make in your life. Mm -hmm. Come into therapy. You might be struggling with figuring out what to do with your career. Come to therapy. So it's, I think it's vast. And I think that's what you were saying way earlier in our discussion of just like the sea of what we can do in this field is limitless. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so therapy can just also be a place to bounce ideas off another person's brain and get some feedback and input
0: absolutely not going to ask you whether or not you're doing therapy but what are some non-therapeutic space skills you're tapping into as we deal with kind of like covid and racial tension and Mm -hmm. god knows whatever else in your personal life what are you tapping into
1: well first listen i'm not trying to turn this into a session but my third ear is tingling and i'm like if i was going to therapy why shouldn't i disclose about that
0: oh i don't know you can if you want yeah but i'm just saying like even the fact that you're like
1: you don't have to say yeah like i was like where is that coming from
0: oh i don't know it wasn't coming from anywhere i just okay I was going along listen with the program. listen i'm over out.
1: <laughs> let me clock in real quick um i am going to therapy matter of fact I my therapy appointments tomorrow at four heard you yes okay um i love going to therapy mm. because i think there are just things i recognize that keep coming up for me That are causing me hurt and pain or frustration or things I want to just move around, move over or move through. And so I do go to therapy. Mm. It is a very affirming space for me. That is one way. I mean, in the past month, I started this YouTube channel. This has just been such an unexpected joy Mm. in my life right now. I realize like I'm a person, like I said, I love all things creative. And I always felt like I want to create, I want to create, but I don't know how. And YouTube has given me this platform to speak out about the good, the bad, and ugly of being alive, of being human. And I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying connecting. I'm very happy to have you here with me today or me with you today. Both. Right. Mm -hmm. Us in shared company. Um, I'm just, you know, I sit outside. Vitamin D is real, y'all. I I be rolling my yoga mat and like laying on my balcony and and drinking.
0: I too love vitamin D. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All forms are restorative Yes.
0: (laughs) Say so right now
1: (laughs) So yeah I'm just Dabbing And I would say dibbling but I don't think that's what Y'all know what I mean Just dabbing in a lot of things I'm going to take a trip home I've not been home so for me that's restorative To just be in my hometown Seeing my people Taking my daughter home for the summer So And that's restorative as well, because the mom in me needs a break. That is also how I'm cultivating healing and self-care during this time. Well,
0: you better set up a full segue. Listen, okay, let's get it. (laughs) So we talked about the life slash professional portion of this podcast, Mm -hmm. right? But let's get into some of the relationship aspects. And, you know... For a couple of my guests, I've always been like, we can talk about dick all day long, right? And I'm going to say the same thing for you. (laughs) But there are other parts that you have shared with, um, you know, your social media following and even on your YouTube, Um, Dr. Jenny from the Block. Thank you for the plug. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where you talked about kind of like parenting and parenthood. Right, mm-hmm. and so I would love for you to just first describe your experience with um, parenting to date and what it's taught you about yourself.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. Listen, I'm trying to make a loaded question as like listen, concise as I can. We get into your business here. Um, to keep it real, being a parent was not my number one objective in life, but the universe works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. So, boop, here I was, um, with a baby when I I had her when I was 21. It has taught me, one, I think it grounded me. I think I had kind of lost my way for a couple years and really just out there, you know, experiencing life in different ways than I had before. And I think I was living, but I was living really recklessly. And so when I had her, it really brought me back to, like, my humanity, to my center, and just for me to really reflect on the importance of cherishing each day rather than kind of just being out there in them streets. Mm-hmm. um and it helped motivate me so I had her while I was still in college and I tell people I had her on a Thursday and I was back in class on Monday and also so it showed me how resilient and mm-hmm. stubborn I am because mm-hmm. I definitely had a c-section so it's not like you know and I mean all forms vaginal c-section whatever it's a baby coming out of you it's a baby coming out of yeah you. um and I just kind of like learned how to really tap into my inner strengths Really learn the value of community. I, I really don't like saying I'm a single parent because my tribe has been strong from day one. Yeah. Um, And so it's taught me the power of community and how healing that is and how important that is. I think she teaches me a lot about myself where I need to grow mm-hmm. through parenting. I have seen how impatient I am. I cannot ignore it because when you're mm-hmm. a parent and you're like, sit down, don't do it. Do, 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 you're just like, oh. I need to chill. Mm. I need to take a step back. So, being a parent has helped me be more self reflective, um, more self aware. And it's really taught me, like, a, just a different type of love. To get, you know, to have a child, and it doesn't matter if they came from your body or not, but to have a child. Someone that you're responsible for, someone that you nurture, that you pour your love into, you pour Mm -hmm. hopes and fears into. Not saying I'm conditioning her for fear, but, you (laughs) know, I have a little, little dark brown child walking around in this world. And it's like, you know, I read a quote. It's like having a kid is like letting a piece of your heart walk out the door each day. And it's just a different type of love. So she's just really helped restore so much meaning and value to my own life mm-hmm. and it's a journey i'm also not a perfect parent and it's taught me to like really validate and, and empathize with that and other people parenting is a journey you gonna fuck up mm-hmm. like often and it's like trial and error also i think with the first kid it's just kind of like oh
0: Let's figure out what works. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what doesn't work. (laughs) Exactly. And
1: so it's like that. And I'm the oldest too. So I was very much the experimental child. Mm -hmm. And it's like, "Ah, we going to try this parenting technique. We going to see how it's going to go. Yeah.
0: I appreciate that. My womb is just (sighs) crying right now. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. But on your YouTube channel, you mentioned having an experience with postpartum depression yes. right and I think many of us um, especially when we see kind of examples through shows like Insecure and Tiffany's Journey we're just like "Ooh, yep postpartum but I'm going to be one of the first ones to, to say like I could go along with that group and say yep I see that that's what you're going through but I don't have training or much knowledge in what the experience of that is right Yeah. and so <clears throat> what was that experience for you
1: Crazy, um, to because you know I was still an undergrad, so it's not like I had the training, experience, knowledge. I knew something was wrong. Mm. I knew that I was, I felt undesirable. I knew that I was sad a lot. I knew that I was drinking more mm. to the point that I had to stop breastfeeding because I was just like drink in hand whenever I could get it, and you know there are certain hours you gotta wait until you can pump or feed again. And I realized at that point, like, I can't even stay, you know, sober enough to breastfeed my kid. Mm. Th- this is this is a problem. And I think it felt really isolating. I think people don't think about context for postpartum. I was in college still. Yeah. And I was yeah. you, supposed to be a senior, but I took an extra year to do some other stuff. But like, my peers around me are drinking. I'm in a college town, all these things. And I'm just feeling out of place. And I remember going to the counseling center, and I shared this on my YouTube, touched the door and just walked off. Touched the door to open, to go into the center Mm -hmm. to get help, and I just, Mm -hmm. tears, streaming, just went the other way. So much shame comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of shame.
0: What were the next steps after that?
1: You know, I wish I had like this beautiful story of like, I was, I went from a caterpillar to a butterfly. But mm. honestly, I think time. Make it real, yeah. Soothed some of that. I think um, I started to, you know, find other things. So, you know, a few, sh- a couple months after she was born, actually, I pledged for Delta. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and I got a little break during that time because uh, she was with my, my family. I think um, really my people validating me and supporting me in, in the ways that they could because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. couldn't validate and care for the wounds that I didn't show. But I do think the care, I know, listen, I'm in there.
0: Yo, <laughs> I'm ready to just be done. <laughs> like, you are killing
1: me right now. I mean, they didn't know I was hurting. I I do a really good job of concealing my hurt. I think even now, like, even when I'm going through... And it's not that I'm hiding it. I think I just... I was raised by women who just are like, all right, you take that little 10-minute break you need to, like, cry that shit out and get back in there. Mm. And so people didn't know. People didn't know that they were putting that aloe on my wounds, but they were. And I think time, becoming more confident in myself... And just me engaging more, connecting more to my core of who I was, mm-hmm. really helped heal me. So that's why I say, not you don't always need therapy. Do I think it could have been helpful? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't happen, and I'm still okay.
0: Having had that experience, and, you know, I'm cautious to even be like, and getting to where you are now, but F that, right? Like, having had that experience, what would you say to black women who are currently dealing with postpartum or who may be dealing with postpartum and may not even know it
1: yeah Um, i think one you're not doing anything wrong you you are not the problem it is not your fault you did not do anything to be in that position i think for me i felt that guilt of like why am i doing this to myself or why can't i make myself feel better and that that is unhelpful and that's that's not it's not our fault I think, you know, encouraging black women to find find your circle. If your circle includes a therapist, cool. If it mm-hmm. doesn't, it, do, it doesn't need to. It can be that mentor. It can be that roommate. It can be that parent. But really creating a caring, loving circle. Mm-hmm. I think um, really sitting... And I think journaling would have helped me to really process how I was feeling before, during and after pregnancy. But I think, you know, kind of sitting and taking inventory, giving ourselves a second to check our own pulse. How am I feeling today? You know, we have to say like, how are you? But really, Mm -hmm. and really asking ourselves those questions and not fighting the real answers that come up for us. Because that's what the alcohol was doing for me. Mm -hmm. That's how I fought the real answers that I was miserable and my self esteem was shot for Mm -hmm. the moment. Like. So really just sitting with the rawness of how we feel is what I would encourage us. Because I think black women, we, we are also not allowed to feel. And I think when you allow yourself to do that, you might cry, you might be upset at, about what you find, but at least you know the truth mm-hmm. about where you're at. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough out here. Yes.
0: <laughs> One of the final things I just want to say to you is that you mentioned not being a perfect parent but i think the way you show up as a parent even you know for those looking on the outside is just so powerful so as a black gay man who reflects on his relationship with his parents um i you posted something on social media which like kind of made me a little emotional and i just want to like repeat it okay I take comfort in knowing that if my daughter ever came out to me, that I would just continue to love her just as much as I do any other day. Y'all will break your own children's spirit and hearts just because. No faith, no societal standards, nada, would make me feel any type of way towards my baby. I would love her unconditionally. So don't you dare tell your child you love them unconditionally if you know you would sacrifice their well-being in y'all's relationship because of their gender identity or sexuality both of which ain't your business or yours to control and if i had a son i'd still keep that same energy because his worthiness ain't based on how y'all would feel about his sexuality or gender identity our worth is not defined by our genitals or who we grow up to love um and the reason why i felt like a little emotional from that is because it really reminded me of just like my own mother Mm -hmm. and the ways that she has just boldly gone forth and sheltered me or tried to shelter me as much as she could from all of the bullshit that like one could receive you know Mm -hmm. growing up with like a queer identity I'm so curious what is the force that drives the way you show up as a mother
1: I try to reduce I want to reduce her suffering as much as I can and I don't want to be a source of her suffering Mm. um what what parent would I be if I told her I only love her if she exists within these lines that I've drawn for her hmm. or society's drawn from her and that's not fair. How how if I talk about doing my work and helping people to live authentic, genuine lives and I can't do that in my own household? Who that like what? Yeah. That doesn't even make any yeah. sense.
0: But so many people do.
1: Cause listen, I can't live with that level right. of contradiction. Mm-hmm. I can't live mm-hmm. with knowing that the, the person I birthed and created is having a miserable life because her mom told her that she has to live by these arbitrary standards. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just my belief in letting people flourish and live and be happy. And I've been really leaning into Buddhist teaching and really all this shit's made up. <laughs> <laughs> all of it is made up what what is gender what is what are these standards it's all a bunch of bullshit mm-hmm. respectability bullshit professionalism bullshit yeah. it's just all things we make up to not be bored mm-hmm.
0: and to oppress others <laughs> to just get a to get another rung on that ladder to
1: just to feel better yeah about a bunch of bullshit mm. yeah
0: you, listen, if this has not brought you to Dr. Jenny from the Blocks YouTube, I don't know what else will, so I'm gonna just go ahead and mind my business. Last question.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Complete the sentence Happiness is. Living. Mm hmm. Full stop. Before we end the show one more segment let's spin the rosé bottle i'm shaking my shoulders for those who now i have sat and asked you a slew of questions yes. um hopefully you enjoyed them hopefully they weren't too much
1: i love them but listen i'm in my feels i'm glad i stopped i took a great i won't say i stopped because we still got another thing to do which mm-hmm. involves more sipping but I'm glad I took a pause here
0: for it. Um, but now you get to ask me a question. It can be juicy. It can be dry. It can be nothing. And we can just end the show. No,
1: I'm going to ask you a question. (laughs) And you know, I should be better prepared. Let me think what are, it's like almost like you're rubbing the genie lamp and Mm you only (laughs) get the one wish. I'm like, which do I want? If
0: you want to be with me.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) I'm a genie in a bottle.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm about to rub it. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you most proud of yourself? Like, what makes you the most proud of, like, accomplishment or something? I'm probably saying that question weirdly, Mm. but you get it.
0: Mercy, you were getting well into my imposter syndrome because, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think it's appropriate to share this now. I am most proud of coming back to the podcast Cop. Two words. It's okay. I am most proud about coming back to the podcasting space. Come what may, yeah? yeah. Regardless of if it if it does well or you know only one person listens, I'm I'm proud to be back here. Um, I think when I left the podcast space before, I had come off the heels of writing a whole book chapter on podcasting and how it elevates voices, specifically Black queer voices, yes. and here I am. Um, or or here I was completely giving up on something that made me feel good.
1: Ugh, I'm glad you're back.
0: I'm glad to be back too. I'm really proud of myself for that. Oh, can I add another one? Yes. Let me tell you something. I am proud to almost have this fucking doctorate because one of these days, I don't know if I'm going to put it in a memoir,
1: Please. please, 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 or
0: put it in, you know, a podcast episode, but there have been some hoops and other levels of bullshit that i have had to go through and i am so grateful to be at this point and to show up with me and my titties and have a good time yes yes <laughs> and i can't wait
1: to be at the party that we're gonna throw yes if
0: if they allow it okay. no it's social we, distancing relaxed listen we will allow it oh we're not, we not Breaking any rules. <laughs> we are not gonna be a harm to ourselves and others. Okay. I'm, what
1: 2021 is gonna be a cool.
0: Hopefully. Right.
1: Giving good vibes to the universe. Yes. And she's like, I've punished y'all enough. Yes. <laughs> and Hopefully, next summer we are good to go.
0: You know the fucking vibes. You know the fucking yeah, <laughs> vibes. <laughs> well, Dr. Jen, I thank you so much for being on um yes. Rose and Thorns. Is there anything you want to plug? Your social medias, your YouTube channel again?
1: Yes. I mean, I'll spell the YouTube channel. Please. So the YouTube and Instagram are both Dr. Jenny from the block. So it's D-R-G-H-Y-N-N-Y and then from the block just spelled regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah follow me subscribe check it out give me ideas yeah. i love feedback about things that i can create for y'all
0: and when you follow the youtube channel and the instagram she is good for a good live and so you can interact it's an interactive platform yes. and we love 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 it yeah guys this has been an or no guys boom love bugs this has <laughs> been another episode of the rose and thorns podcast as always i am p ryan and i'll see you next week bye Thank you for listening to and Thorns, a P. Ryan podcast. You can find and Thorns on Instagram and Twitter at and T. Pod. That's R-O-S-E-N-T-P-O-D. And you can find P. Ryan on Instagram and Twitter at I am P. Ryan. That's I-A-M-P-R-Y-A-N. See you next time.